Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings and welcome on board WKOK's live telephone talk show on the mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. The deep voice man introduces us. We're the bit players around here. The producer is the man who makes it all happen. Rob Center is our fabulous producer on the other side of the glass. Always does a fantastic job taking good care of everything that it takes to go on the radio. On the mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Please check them out at sunburymotors.com. We do have a guest on the news line. State Senator Good morning, John Mark. Gordon. You forgot me. I did not. I <laughs> yes, said you, we're no, here. You, you didn't. State you go back and listen to the tape. Good morning, John. <laughs> uh, Joe, I'm glad that you're on this morning. Thank you, John. I, I'm glad yeah. to be here. <laughs> yeah, you need an ally in here sometimes uh, when we ask uh, Democratic questions. All right. John Gordon is a state senator. He's the majority whip in Harrisburg and is going to talk to us about really important things that are going on in Harrisburg. They're trying desperately to make even more progress out of the pandemic and so on. So uh, good morning, sir. Thanks for checking in. Very glad to yes, hear, thank you, you. hear you back on the radio. Uh, <laughs> anything critically important you want to start to talk about? I think we have to talk about the pandemic and the current mitigation phase. Uh, but uh, is there anything that pops up at the top of the agenda that you feel you wish to uh, talk about initially? No, that obviously continues to be the the big story, uh, both in our area and around the state. Uh, Probably the uh, biggest issue right now is uh, the situation faced by restaurants and taverns and clubs. Uh, I've been traveling the state for the last uh, five or six days without Pittsburgh. Uh, They had 200-plus restaurant and tavern owners uh, gather. Uh, I think they're having a rally uh, today or tomorrow demanding... Uh, that the governor and Secretary Levine uh, adjust the rules for restaurants, uh, especially, but also clubs and, and taverns, uh, if if there's any chance for them to survive. I can understand, you know, the bar question of having people sitting side by side within inches at a bar, but I don't understand. Most restaurants are able to provide some space between patrons. And if you're sitting down, you know, and you have a rule in place that says if you get up and move around the restaurant, you have to wear a mask, I don't understand why 25%. What's magic about that? Do you? I don't, know. When we were obviously at 50% uh, because of uh, some increasing cases in, frankly, about three counties out of our 67 counties, and they were in the Allegheny and Pittsburgh area, uh, the governor and Secretary Levine put enforcements on every restaurant around the whole state. Uh, and again, I, I saw uh, Senator Joe Scarnati in his senatorial district across all of his counties. I think he has two or three hundred total cases since March. Um, so it's hard to explain to a, a restaurant in Brockway or Cowdersport or somewhere along those lines uh, where they've had a handful of cases. Uh, that you can't have more than 25% seating in your restaurant. 
Well, take a take an example locally, uh, Skeeter's restaurant on top of the hill uh, down here. Inside, they're limited to 25%, but right outside, they've got a lot of space, and they have it beautifully set up. I mean, they have tables and a good distance between them, and they have some areas that would seat maybe four or five people, but again, a large distance between them. But once it gets cold, that's not going to be viable. So what Yeah, <laughs> it's, it, it's scaring. I mean, those restaurants that have been able to somehow survive uh, are just scared, um, scared they're, they're going to close uh, there's no doubt about it those those facilities that have access to uh, outside seating and again kudos to a lot of municipalities even in our area uh, that have actually closed down uh, streets or blocks to try to accommodate uh, those in town places like in Shimokin and, and other places but if you don't have the outdoor seating uh, you're not going to survive are you getting a sense of the unemployment issue that that will create as you have more and more restaurant workers uh, out of work, you know, exacerbating what is already a, a tough unemployment situation? It is, unfortunately, because of Governor Wolf's policies, along with Secretary Levine, uh, we're, uh, the last unemployment rate I saw was around 13 percent, uh, which puts us in the top uh, five or six states nationally. In, in unemployment rate, and it's no doubt it's because of, of the policies that they have continued to pursue. And and look, um, in Allegheny specifically, there was uh, an increase. And you can you can, which the governor does, and Secretary Levine points that there's been a slight increase in numbers across the state. But still, when you add up those numbers, and I've said it before in this program, uh, on any given day. Uh, uh, across the whole state, we're at point zero 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 four percent of the population, which means on any given day, ninety nine point nine 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 six percent are unaffected. Since the pandemic began, what's the statistic? That's the daily statistic of the new tests versus the state's entire population. How much of the state has gotten the virus at all during the pandemic? So since March, uh, we are not to 1% yet. So if you add up all the cases, I mean, we're a state with around 12.6 million people. Uh, we are not at 126,000 since March yet. So we still have not reached the 1% mark, uh, even if you include everyone since March, April, mm -hmm. May, June, July, and now into August. Okay, so our mitigation has worked uh, successfully, uh, of course, at, at tremendous, tremendous expense. There's no argument there. Uh, the uh, is there any more? Are there any more efforts? I should say to uh, mitigate the governor's actions. You know, I know everything that gets passed gets veto. Is there anything still pending? Uh, not, nothing pending at the moment. And you're correct. We've sent. Uh, numbers of bills uh, to the governor uh, in which he has vetoed them. Uh, the House Democrats and Senate Democrats have largely uh, stood by the governor, uh, although it was interesting. I just read about the uh, 40 Democratic uh, uh, office holders, some senators, some House members, uh, including the Senate uh, Minority Leader Jay Costa, has asked the governor to relax, again, these restaurant rules. Uh, one way, one way, Senator Costa, to do that would be to vote against your governor, as uh, you could have done, but you haven't done uh, throughout this process. Um, but uh, there's been, I think, at least seven or eight lawsuits that have been filed, uh, and the governor has uh, 
been successful as the the uh, Democratic majority state Supreme Court has sided with the governor. So it's it's frustrating in that regard, but uh, we'll continue to look at options. I'm not sure who it was, but I think it was the Secretary of Labor and Industry this week who patted himself on the back for all the unemployment compensation calls and visits and processes they've, they've taken care of. But even in my own family, I have one family member who applied for unemployment months ago and has ever heard nothing from the state. I mean, what is this, what's, this, what's going on down there with it? Are they doing a good job or are they not doing a good job? <laughs> Well, look, uh, there's no doubt that the, the numbers are unprecedented, um, times 10, in regard to the number of claims that come in at one time to a large degree. Uh, so there's no doubt about that. And, and look, in March and April, when there were, you know, a million claims, when there's normally 50,000, uh, you know, we allowed L&I to say, hey, we're working on it and, and give them a little time and space. But you're correct. Uh, while uh, L&I puts out statistics that say, hey, since this whole started, we've uh, paid and responded to 92% of our claims, 8% uh, with a number of those, if not a majority of those, being since March, is 100% unacceptable. Uh, you, uh, you need to handle those cases and address those cases and respond to those cases uh, that have been filed since March and April. Uh, I know uh, Majority Leader Corman uh, did a long letter uh, to the LNI Secretary on that very issue and gave examples of members. Uh, LNI gave a long response uh, to Jake stating all of the, the claims and the hires and everything else they've done. But I know uh, Senator Corman has now requested uh, another uh, in-person meeting uh, to explain specific cases. Why, why are these cases that have been filed since March and April not been answered? Why haven't they at least been acknowledged? I mean, in many cases, and in my, in the mem- member of my family's case, haven't even been acknowledged. Yeah, and it's frustrating. Look, each department has a legislative services office, and, you know, when people haven't been able to get through on the phone, uh, we certainly encourage people to call my office or Linda's office or Kurt or, or uh, you know, Rose's office. And in the past, we would send something over to the Legislative Services office for a department, and we would get a response in a couple of days. Uh, now it's around 28 days uh, that we get any response uh, from the Legislative Services office. And even then, uh, you know, sometimes a response after 28 days is uh, we're looking into it. Now, we talked about the idea last time of a constitutional amendment. Did that advance yet? Yes. Yeah, so the way constitutional amendments work is you need to pass them in two consecutive sessions and then obviously put it on the ballot for people uh, to decide amongst themselves. Uh, The one uh, dealing with emergencies and how it would happen in the future, uh, we did get done in time. Uh, Matter of fact, uh, I know at least in my home newspaper uh, they published that and some other eventually proposed amendments just in the last week. Um, a new session will start in January, so we could take that up in January and February, and it could actually be on the primary ballot next May. And then uh, how, how many times on the ballot would it have to go? 
Nope, just once. Just one time. Okay, so that would be, wow, yes. that would be fabulous. We would still, yes. by all accounts, be in the heart of this still, so that would that would count. Give our yes. audience, oops, anything else to say on that particular topic? No, that's topic? it, and, and it would certainly allow the people to decide what they want to, to happen in any future emergencies. How about the state's finances, John? Where where do we stand? Have you gotten any better feel on where we are in terms of revenue than you had the last time we talked? <laughs> it's way down, Joe. I know, but how bad? That's my question. Sure. So uh, the all-important numbers were July, and as we've talked about, um, normally our biggest month is April, uh, but the governor extended the deadline for filing the taxes of April 15th uh, to July 15th, basically to uh, pattern what was done at the federal level. So we certainly was curious to see what the July numbers were. Uh, We have an independent fiscal office, and they had estimated that about 1.5 or 1.6 billion that normally would have been paid in April would be paid in July. Uh, the good news, and those numbers are now clear as of uh, this Monday, two days or two days ago, is that it looks like, in fact, uh, we got around 1.5, 1.6 billion additional dollars in July, uh, and that otherwise the July numbers were comparable to last July numbers. Uh, it seems like there's, uh, whether it's sales tax uh, or those type of things, there's a lot of pent-up uh, demand so that people were going out and buying. Uh, they're uh, buying cars and, and those sorts of things. So um, we're still in a deficit situation, but the numbers that the independent fiscal office were hoping and expecting that we would get in July, we did in fact get. So uh, now the August numbers will be important because we'll be able to compare August of 2020 to August of 2019 and see where we are. Are you hearing anything from your municipalities about how they're surviving financially? Uh, I'm not hearing a lot from municipalities. Uh, do want to point out, uh, and I didn't see if it was in the local paper, but I know in Northumberland County uh, right now is uh, requesting that municipalities, nonprofits, community organizations uh, fill out a form that's available from the Northumberland County Planning Department. Uh, they have the uh, $8 million in county relief block grant monies, and uh, they're looking to see how to drive that out. And at least for the next couple of weeks, they're asking any municipalities, nonprofits, community organizations in Northumberland County to fill out a form and submit it. Uh, in regard to any expenses that they have or expect to have as it relates to COVID-19. Let's talk about the emergency powers of the governor. Uh, Has he abused them, in your opinion? (laughs) Yes. Okay. What do you do about that? (laughs) I know you've said that before, but I mean... Is it it a sunny day? (laughs) Yes, a sunny day, right. Okay. It is, yes. So he's he's abused those powers. You know, who's going to haul him up short? I mean, the legislature hasn't had much luck. The Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, as you said, uh, and unfortunately it does appear to be somewhat political in that the Democratic majority has sided with the governor. Is there anything that can be done other than the constitutional amendment? No. Okay. No. Not really. Uh, and w- one other example is uh, what he's done to uh, Lebanon County um, in Pennsylvania. There's 67 counties. Uh, 66 counties have gotten their um, their county block grant monies, much just like I explained about Northumberland County. Uh, Snyder, I mean, 66 counties have received it. Uh, he has specifically withheld it from Lebanon because he said that they violated 
uh, the rules in moving to green before he said they could move to green. Uh, when the legislature uh, passed this uh, program establishing uh, these county block grants, we indicated that every county that didn't otherwise have received a large amount uh, from the federal government directly was to receive an allotment and describe what the allotment was. There was nothing in the legislation, zero, uh, that said that the governor could withhold money from any county uh, in any way. So he is doing it for political retribution. Uh, I remember something called the Bridgegate in New Jersey, um, but uh, you just can't do it. But he's done it, and it's forced Northumberland County, or uh, Lebanon County to file a, an action in the Commonwealth Court. Uh, they're going to be successful, uh, but they're going to have to spend money and time uh, while the governor uh, plays political retribution against the residents and businesses of Lebanon County. It's, it's wrong. Is the governor vindictive? Uh, he is in that regard, absolutely. Okay. Now let's uh, switch channels a little bit to schools. Uh, you said you haven't heard all that much from municipalities. Have you heard from school districts that say, uh, you know, Senator, we're going to need uh, X funding or X help, something along that line? Well, the good news is, and I've talked about it before, uh, we've sent hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, of federal monies uh, to school districts uh, specifically for them to uh, do what they need to do, whether it's buying PPE or whether it's uh, getting the plastic shields or anything along those lines. Again, I think uh, the average for the school districts in my senatorial district were in the 200,000-plus range. So. That's helpful. They've also received some additional monies directly from the federal government to help them out. Um, but, uh, you know, they're, I, I, uh, I, I don't envy them. Uh, they are um, trying to make decisions the best they can at the moment uh, with not knowing what it's going to be like in September, October, November, December. Most school districts are pro- providing some sort of options as it relates to whether it's either in-school instruction or remote instruction or um, you know, online instruction, um, but they're facing the challenges of of other folks in regard to some people want to wear masks, some people don't want to wear masks. Uh, the the state says that you have to wear masks. Uh, you know, most of the superintendents are saying it's not practical to wear a mask 100% of the time, but can we do it 90% of the time and take some breaks for outside or eating those sorts of things? So. Lots of, lots of decisions and challenges that they have. But one of the big stories of the day is from the Wall Street Journal, and it's about the teachers' unions around the country holding legislatures and school districts hostage with rather insane demands, things like uh, no, 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 uh, what, cutting, cutting back on rent. You don't have to pay your rent. You can't be evicted. Um, you know, are you having any problems like that in the state? Are the teachers' unions putting a lot of pressure on you guys for things that seem unreasonable? Uh, it it varies from school district to school district. Uh, frankly, I think the uh, universities uh, have seen it a lot more in regard to uh, the uh, professors' unions that uh, are very clearly not wanting to go back to uh, in-class instruction. Um, so that's why a number of the universities have already decided to go remote for the fall semester because those uh, professors have basically put their foot down and said uh, we don't want to go back. Um, I haven't had 
I'm not aware in my district of uh, the teachers' unions saying that to the school districts. I think they want to make sure that there's safety precautions and protocols in place, which I certainly think is reasonable. The president talks a lot about uh, mail-in ballots and uh, issues related to that. Are you and or the whole state Senate monitoring the mail-in ballot situation in Pennsylvania, which went uh, for most counties satisfactorily last election? Uh, there are definitely issues there. Uh, the Senate State Government Committee held a hearing, I don't know if it was a week or two ago, and I know that there is an active group, uh, frankly my office is involved with it, trying to come up with uh, some legislation that frankly we may come back in in August to consider uh, as it relates to elections. There were some issues, uh, there were, you know, in, in our area I thought things went fairly well, but there were some counties, um, some larger counties in the state that did not have results for about a week. Uh, so imagine a swing state like Pennsylvania in November not having a result as to the presidential race for a week um, it would not be a good thing. So we're looking at uh, different things about when they could maybe start to open up the ballots. Uh, but there were, I think there were 10 counties that uh, put drop boxes out, which uh, is not authorized. Um, you have to turn in your absentee ballot to the uh, election department in your county. Uh, so counties that had drop boxes that were unattended, uh, I think are a problem. And I think the president uh, and, and some folks have filed a lawsuit in regard to those. So those are some of the issues that we're going to be looking at. And trying to address by the end of the month. Well, if you if you mail in a fraudulent ballot, that's a federal crime, isn't it? If you put it in a drop yes. box, that's not a federal crime. You have to uh, use the mail. And it's just who has, who, how secure are those drop boxes? Uh, is there someone from the election department that's always standing there monitoring it? Uh, that was not the case in, in most of those counties. Uh, so there's just issues in regard to security. All right. Uh, anything else important you wish to tell us? Time is short, so but we'll t- turn over the microphone for anything important. There, are, and I know you're working on a wide range of other topics. We know that for sure. Yeah. No. Uh, nothing that we haven't covered. Uh, but you're right. There's lots of other issues that's going on in regard to uh, um, you know law enforcement and uh, economic development and those other issues. But uh, the COVID-19 just continues to to take uh, the, the highest place at the moment. Are you behind schedule in the Senate, things you'd like to see done in the House? I mean, is the pandemic just sucking up all the oxygen down there? It is for a large degree, uh, and for obvious reasons. Uh, and, you know, very frustrating, again, for a lot of the businesses that uh, in our area, they just they, they don't see the day-to-day issues. Uh, and the good number is, Again, while we saw a little bit of an increase in numbers across the state, uh, hospitalizations are down. They're um, down to where they were two or three months ago. Uh, we're, we're seeing people that do get COVID-19 having milder symptoms. Um, so, uh, you know, there's uh, those are some of the things that we're considering. All right. Well, to be continued, we'll issue the invitation uh, in the weeks ahead again, but feel free to call in anytime you have an important update for our audience. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much for taking your time to keep us updated on a fairly regular basis, John. 
Thanks, Mark and Chuck. Take care. Appreciate that. State Senator John Gordner, 27th District, resident of Berwick, Pennsylvania, majority whip uh, down in Harrisburg. Helping quite out a runner, Republicans. too. A runner. Oh, yeah, still runner. Yeah. Okay, after all these years. All right. Uh, yeah, the, uh, we see pictures of him. Well, maybe not this year, but the uh, run for the diamonds in Berwick right. plus other races. All right. We'll take a quick break. We will be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. That is Rob Center himself on the Tom Tom, so we appreciate him doing that. And that is Matt Catrillo on the guitar. Where do you hear Matt sing? He's he's got he's the real deal. You know, any other fairy tales you want to tell us this morning? That's the sales staff. That <laughs> <laughs> Kevin going woo hoo, right? Yeah, that's him. He does do that a lot. Every time a, a new sale comes in, he rings the bell back there. Okay. Well, you know, the, most of the restaurants that have the bells up where you ring it if you've got a great sandwich have taken them down now. If you got a great sandwich, they ring it if they get a good tip behind the bar. I'm familiar with that. Well, they've taken those bells down. Uh, why? <laughs> because of the Spreads COVID. Spreads COVID. Right. You don't want a bunch of people grabbing a hold of a bell rope and oh, ringing it. Oh, the bartender rings the bell. Come on. Well, this, I'm talking about restaurants. There are fast food places. They have A lot of them have bells. Obviously, you don't hang out in the same place as I do. <laughs> I do not. Where? Who? What name one restaurant? Arby's had a bell inside uh, the door. Oh, okay. And if you got a great sandwich, you rang the bell to let them know. Oh, good. Yeah, I have never been there. Well, been to the drive. You're going to have to broaden your horizons, I my friend. I was driving a couple weeks ago. The line started out on the highway and snaked around the parking lot and then back up to it. But I was a motivated shopper, so I waited. It went fast, though, about five minutes or so. Well, you're lucky. You are listening to On the Mark on News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. We'll have more frivolity briefly at the top of the hour, and then we open up the phones for the issues of the day. This is News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark. Mark Lawrence and Joe McGranahan. Greetings. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show. On the mark, we launch into open phones. Now's the time to dial us up. 1-800-795-9565. We're uh, talking about state issues with State Senator John Gordon, the Senate Majority Whip. And uh, maybe you have an observation or a comment about uh, his uh, answers to our bad questions. But you can also call us uh, President Trump and Joe Biden was part of the topics that we discussed yesterday. COVID-19. 
19. Black Lives Matter. I see BLM in one of our texts overnight. Another one talking about a story on NPR. I heard uh, that this is a picked-up transcription of it, talking about individuals who received uh, stimulus checks that probably should not have. They're not U.S. citizens, so uh, we'll, we'll read the part of that on the air. So uh, it's an open phones day, so call us now, 1-800-795-9565, on the mark sponsor by the Sunbury Motor Company. You can email us at on the mark at WKOK.com, as two individuals have done. You can also text us at 70236, uh, which uh, three individuals have done. So we'll read those uh, texts and emails on the radio. 30 new COVID-19 cases have been confirmed in the Valley, with a majority from Union County as the viral outbreak of the Lewisburg Federal Pen continues. In their daily update Tuesday, State Department of Health confirmed 18 new cases in Union County. Most, if not all, of those new cases are at the Lewisburg Pen. As of midday Tuesday, the Bureau of Prisons said there's still 35 Lewisburg Penitentiary inmate cases. An inmate and one staff from Allenwood are also affected, and the Pen has confirmed that one staff member at the Lewisburg has recovered from COVID-19. The Union County total now 191 cases since the pandemic began. Elsewhere in the Valley, two more cases reported in Snyder County, nine in Northumberland County, and Montour County has one new case. Statewide, 854 new cases of COVID-19 were reported, and we're back to having a death toll to report each day. Unfortunately, uh, we had one day where there were zero deaths reported, but now 23 new deaths confirmed the statewide death toll, 7,200. Parents should role model masking. Geisinger President and CEO Dr. J. Juan Rue says another thing parents can do as we get ready to go back to school is have children practice having a mask on. If kids are getting ready to go back to school, I think it's not a bad way to ease them back in, to have them practice wearing the mask for periods of the day so that they can get comfortable. You can choose the one with the right fit and so forth. Dr. Rue says parents should also take the initiative to role model mask wearing. You can hear his discussion at WKOK.com. High winds from Isa Isis tore through parts of eastern Pennsylvania and Bucks County. Part of a roof was torn off a hospital at Doylestown. Some of that landed on the daycare center and there were children hurt there. Uh, Lehigh County coroner's office says a woman was swept away in Allentown after high waters flooded her street. Uh, PPL said they had almost 4,000 people without electricity during the overnight hours today in Monroe and Lehigh counties. Northumberland County still has a dozen people without power in the Stonington and Irish Valley areas. Susquehanna University a few moments ago, or maybe at this moment, testing the warning sirens. The 9 a.m. test takes about 10 minutes. It's about 10 minutes after right now. The siren won't be continuous, but but uh, will be audible at prescribed intervals on the SU campus. Senator John, Senator Bob Casey, rather, and Governor Tom Wolf teamed up yesterday in a Zoom news conference to talk about their push for the additional $600 in weekly unemployment compensation. Governor Wolf says the money is desperately needed in Pennsylvania because of the unemployment situation. He says there aren't jobs available for people. Not out of laziness not out of lack of work ethic or training, but because there are simply no jobs to get. And the reality of this pandemic is that we don't know when these jobs will return. 
Have you gone to the mirror to find out why there's no... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, That's an editorial Isn't he the reason that the jobs are not there? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, $600 weekly unemployment benefit that expired uh, was the topic of their push. Sealands Grove residents can... But what good does it, if you get the $600, if the uh, unemployment people at labor and industry don't process your claim? Well, you can still get the $600 from the feds. Yeah, but you still have to go through the state to get it. Oh, I see. It's channeled through Pennsylvania. I didn't realize that. Okay, well, yeah, then you're out of luck. Yeah, we know that there are a few Pennsylvanians who have received received zero dollars because of a March layoff. So, um, yeah, that's crazy. Sealands Grove residents can now freely enjoy an open container of alcohol in the downtown. Joe, when you have your annual glass of wine, you could have it in the downtown now. <laughs> I may roam around Grove. downtown with a glass of wine. Well, Good. you can. They're putting in some additional seating, chairs, uh, lack of parking spaces will be <laughs> I have a glass change. of wine, I'll need a place to sit down. <laughs> They'll put down more grills in the area and dog stations. Grills? In the downtown. Yeah, well, in the park areas. Not I can grill my own food. I can bring my own hot dogs In the downtown. park area. Okay. Now, sure. <laughs> They also closed that alley for a time in front of the Galnet Memorial Library, which Lawrence's worthless wisdom is it should never be closed. And uh, let's see what else. Yeah, the open container law is uh, suspended in Sealands Grove temporarily. President Trump is reversing his tack on the mail-in voting criticism, now encouraging people to mail in their votes in the critical swing state of Florida, but not in Nevada. Trump's campaign and the national GOP are suing Nevada to stop their mail-in voting law. But Trump- and that's an AP story, isn't it? Yep. And they didn't bother to explain the president's position, which is Florida's been doing it for years and well, has it down to a science. A this is just the lead sentence. The story's a mile long. Okay. I'm sure what you're talking about is in there and not objectively. Uh, whom do you trust? A new study indicates when it comes to getting news, the news media is not the trusted source. The study was by the Knight Foundation in Gallup. It finds nearly half of all Americans describe the news media as very biased. Uh, study author, the study author finds the conclusion sobering because half of the people in the U.S. doubt what they hear in the news. It would be impossible for democracy to function, they say. Even more sobering, the study was conducted before the coronavirus lockdown and before the nationwide protests over police protection and systematic racism, a pair of hot-button issues in the U.S. Oops, i got to push a button. A hot button? Uh, <laughs> no, it's just a rare. Sorry. Oh, okay. I didn't uh, prepare fully. I never told Rob I'd be doing this, otherwise he'd have had it ready. There we go. Uh, finally, uh, speaking with CBS News correspondent Errol Barnett, we talked about the vice president's cognitive abilities yesterday. So the here vice he is. President. Oh, Vice yeah. President Biden. Okay. Yeah. Uh, former Vice President Joe Biden says he has never taken a cognitive test. Here's his answer. I am very willing to let the American public judge my physical and mental fil- my physical as well as my mental fil- fitness. And uh, to, uh, you know, to make a judgment about who I am. The, I think we just did, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the entire interview will be at WKOK.com later today once CBS releases it. And uh, President Trump had a news conference yeah, yesterday. See if you notice any misspelled words the young here. Americans experience the breathtaking beauty of the Grand Canyon when their eyes widen in amazement as old faithful burst into the sky. When they gaze upon... Yosemites, Yosemites, towering sequoias. We just have to do that for equal time. Good old Yosemite. (laughs) 
Oh, you're going to turn him off now. He won't stop. <laughs> no, it's on the New York Times website. They, okay. once, once you start the Times, you can't stop. So what was their point, that he's as bad as Joe? Well, I think we've already uh, no, covered that territory. No, this is me. I, okay. I dredged that up. I had to search for that. It was actually hard to find How that video. How long ago was that? Yosemite, this is yesterday, the mispronunciation. Yesterday, was yesterday. It was yesterday. He was at yeah, Yos- Yosemite yesterday? He <laughs> wasn't there. He's just talking about I guess uh, he's signing a bill that relates to our nation's national park. The only reason I played it is because we, we have Joe stumbling. Of course, he has to stumble over the cognitive ability <laughs> question. But uh, And then, of course, the president. Well, there's a difference between mispronouncing a word and not being able to put a thought together. Or be able to speak it clearly. Right. Uh, well, and really, you know, Joe, you and I are treading on thin ice here, really. If Why? we're, we're going we, we to criticize stones? people, these people are, are nominated, chosen. President, of course, has been voted in. Vice President Joe Biden chosen. If people want to nominate somebody who does not answer questions in a satisfactory way to our view, that's our problem. And we shouldn't pick on people with any sort of cognitive impairments, whether it's Oh, my goodness. Now you're saying that we're being politically incorrect in in holding the presidential candidate to a fairly high standard of cognitive ability? uh, No, I'm, I'm simply saying that if people want Joe Biden to be president and he doesn't answer questions in a satisfactory manner or he stumbles over his words... Uh, that's that's us setting a standard. People want him in as their president. That's who nominated him. But well, so we haven't been given a good not choice. Us to, well, Joe. Either have case, you been listening to the case. show for yes, the past I have six been. weeks? <laughs> Granted, we could have done better. Oh, which speaking of, there can be no better moment than to read this one right now. Then it says hello from yesterday's conversations about presidential candidates. I have two suggestions: Condoleezza Rice and Tony Dungy. I could go for either one of them. Uh, yeah, I don't know too much about Well, Tony Dungy's a genius. I know that to be true. And Condoleezza Rice, a super leader. Uh, don't you remember her? She was Yes, absolutely. Okay. I, I wouldn't say that I studied her super fabulously, but uh, you're saying that she has it, has it, has it all? Right. I think okay. she's a very bright lady. She did an excellent job when she was in the Bush administration. Well, a lot of people still pushing to draft Michelle Obama. Well, I, that's, you know, I'm sure Michelle Obama's a bright lady, but she has no political experience that I'm aware of other than being the wife of the president. Does Tony have political experience? I know he's Tony Dungy, no, but he's he's certainly got leadership skills. I mean, he was a leader when he was in the Pittsburgh Steelers he is as a player. He's a leader in football, and coaching. Christian. He's right. Christian. Uh, uh, well, I could, I could say, vote like for an Tony. inspirational leader. You give me Biden and Trump and Tony Dungy, and I'll tell you where and my Condoleezza vote's going. Rice. And Condoleezza Now, there'd be, a, there'd be a thing. Condoleezza for president, Tony Dungy for vice president. I'm on it. Let's do it. All right. 1-800-795-9565. Uh, this is just a passing thought, but if you have any suggestions as to who could actually be good candidates uh, for president, feel free to give us a buzz. 1-800-795-9565. Of course, we had State Senator John Gordon on earlier talking about important statewide issues. Uh, the president uh, says the Florida ballots are okay, but Nevadas are bad. And uh, so we have uh, and we have some texts and but emails. The reason for that is the fact that Florida has been doing it for quite a few years now, and they ironed out their kinks. Well, he is, he's talking absentee ballots in Nevada. No, he, mail-in ballots. He's so. talking about mail-in. Oh, mail-in in they do mail-in okay. in Florida. He does good, okay. Or they do well. All right. 1-800-795-9565. Mike is our first caller. He's been patiently waiting. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Hey, beautiful day out there. Yes, and, it uh, is. B- besides drinking coffee and surfing the internet, another of my hobbies is the weather. And today I'm really grateful that that was basically, even though some people lost their lives, that was a minor hurricane. But the track that it took and the speed that it took, it, if that would have been a very strong hurricane, 
uh, there's a good chance that you guys might not even be on the air today because that thing would if you know if it would have had some heavy winds and barreled up here north and maintained its uh, velocity would have caused a lot of damage in our area unfortunately the main thing we got out of it was a crop saving rain here in my area so lot to be thankful today yeah i agree yeah we've had and worse the, go through yeah yeah but they, they, this was a classic uh classic track for a very destructive right up the i-95 corridor high population areas lots of homes and uh, unfortunately it didn't have the the punch that it might have but the, the real reason i called was uh you know john gordon was on he, he covered a lot of really great points and the one thing that uh, kind of two things that stuck in my craw was you know he talked about some of the areas using drop boxes for ballots which is is not allowed and uh i'm assuming they were in heavily democrat areas and to me, we have the, the, the Democrats preaching, you know, Trump being a lawless guy and everything. And here, they, they just took the liberty to put these drop boxes. I'm assuming they took these drop boxes, uh, the liberty to put them out there. And, that, and that's just wrong. But the thing that has me really concerned with what John mentioned is he, he said that, you know, there was delays. Well, I heard it was well over a week when some of these precincts weren't uh, counted, the ballots weren't counted, okay? And uh, he, he makes an excellent point. If that's the case... During the uh, presidential election, there could be you know pandemonium and all kinds of problems breaking out. But he did say that maybe we can count them early. And to me, counting ballots before the election is technically held—that is that's—that is ripe for serious misconduct, and it opens the door for all types of uh, you know problems. I'm not going to say illegal activities, but the reality is. If you're a candidate, and two weeks before the election, you know you're not doing well in a certain area, you know, because the information, quote, leaks out, you can spend money in that area to try to get votes. You can do all kinds of things. Uh, you, can, uh, you can harvest ballots. You can have people walk around to people's houses and try to collect ballots. So, to me, the, the idea that we would want to count ballots for weeks ahead before the election, it, it, it just doesn't doesn't seem right well and you know what's interesting to me you know what's interesting to me I, I think it's fascinating that some of our national democratic leaders not so much local people but national democratic leaders are very concerned about russian interference in the election yet they see no problem with this massive mail-in voting i mean that's amazing to me <laughs> it, it, it is amazing and, the, and just the idea that you need drop boxes for people to to get their ballots in i mean don't people mail cards on a daily basis or almost daily basis anymore? We have the uh, hundreds of thousands of people working for the post office delivering mail and collecting mail. You would think that we have a pretty good system of, of mail in this country already to do this mail-in ballot without the need for drop boxes. So I, I don't know. Everything seems to be a, a, smoke stream, a smoke screen in some respects. Well, everybody and, uh, has a mail-in drop box at their home. Well, bear in mind, too, that there was that study, I forget, we talked about it yesterday, where they sent some uh, organization sent out 100 ballots, and they only got three of them, didn't three didn't come back, they weren't delivered by the post office, so their argument was, if 3% of the votes aren't counted in a presidential election, there's a problem, and I agree with that. A, a major problem. And the other thing is, uh, in the primary election, I voted by mail here, and there was... Uh, uh, identifying information on the outside of the uh, ballot that I mailed in, and, I, and if I remember correctly, there was some type of uh, 
one of these codes, a Q code or whatever they call it, that has the fancy squiggles in it that you can't read with your eye, but you can read with your cell phone. I mean, there could be all kinds of information on that that people in the know could collect, and it would be useful in, in the campaign to get out the vote on Election Day. You know, it's basically real-time data on what the public is doing with their ballots at a time that could be useful to candidates. And, and anybody that thinks that candidates and parties would not do every trick in the book to try to win, when last election we basically had an illegal coup attempt on a, on a candidate that carried over into the, uh, uh, his presidency, let's face it, anything's on the table when it comes to trying to win an election these days. Unfortunately, that sounds true. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. Appreciate Thanks, Mike. you calling up. Thanks for checking yep. in. We'll take a quickie break. We've got two callers standing by, but we'll need more comers. 1-800-795-9565. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant isn't one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to WKOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the Mark. 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number. That's 1-800-795-9565. We're into open phones. We'll talk about anything you wish. Uh, Bobby D. is our first caller this hour. Good morning, sir. You're on the mark. Yes. Um, uh, good morning, everyone. And thank God we have res- uh, responsible legislators like John Gordner and uh, Linda Culver and uh, Fred Keller and uh, Kurt Mosher. Uh, anyhow, I called in to give an idea for the, uh, uh, I'm going to say, the mail election procedure. I personally use uh, the mail, uh, you know, to conduct uh, some of my personal business and like a registered letter type thing where the accountability factor would be there where you, you know, you mail it and then it gets to the destination and that. So maybe in this case, the destination could be a polling place. So what you would bring? Well, that your, would only guarantee that the letter was received. It wouldn't guarantee who actually sent it and whether they were authorized to do it. I, I see where, what you're shooting at, but yeah. I don't think that's the solution. Well, in Philadelphia, though, they set up these drop boxes all over town. Uh, half of them are at city council members' offices. Well, to, oh, sure. Come into my office. I'll be happy to yeah. process your vote. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> now, you are the only Republican in the district, but I guarantee you your ballot's going to make count. it to City Hall. Don't you worry about that. So that yeah, but at least, yeah, but at least it would be somewhere to start. I don't know. If it's foolproof somehow, I guess, you know, if it's a locked strong box that... Uh, no, I think he's talking about the mail-in, some kind of mail-in guarantee. Yeah. Not the yeah. lockbox. He's talking about the ma- a mail-in guarantee of some sort. Okay. But I don't think... You know, right. Certifying it only guarantees you, that it gets to the person that you intended it to get to, and they have to... They acknowledge they've received it. The pro- That isn't the problem. The problem is who actually sent it, you know, and... and 
was it the right person? Right. There's got to be some way to monitor that. Well, they're still matching up signatures. That's the same method for standard voting. I think it could be done. I think there's got to be a way it could be done and done fairly and done accurately. But I don't don't think rushing into it is the way to go. (laughs) All right. 1-800-795-9565. We've got open lines. Tom, you're on the mark. Thanks for checking in today. Yeah, this is Joe. He's a joke again. <laughs> he doesn't I mean, agree this, with you. This, I mean, it, it couldn't possibly be that Trump needs Florida to win this election. Well, so does and Biden. There's a lot of and there's, there's a lot of old people down there that need to vote by mail. <laughs> it couldn't possibly be that. It just couldn't. Himself and included. That the Republicans run the state. That couldn't possibly be. Anything to do why Trump wants voting in in uh, Florida? So I, do you I think it'll be? Do you think it'll be crooked? You agree with me, right? Do you think it'll be crooked? That couldn't be it. Let me ask you. Do you think it'll be crooked balloting? And you well, think the Republicans I will? I don't know. The Republicans they will be crooked. Count, they couldn't count out Gore's uh, votes are down there. Uh, what do they counting holes and punches, punches and cards and? This one's no good. And that's that why they no changed. Good. That's why they changed their system, Tom. They, that's why they and, got into mail-in yeah, ballots. Well, maybe, maybe it would be good. But if it's good in Florida, it's good everywhere. It ain't just good in Florida because he needs Florida to win, and there's a lot of old people down there that vote by mail. That's not a reason. Well, yeah, but I, I don't get your logic. I mean, if it's good I for him, yours either. If it's good, if it's good in Florida, it's good everywhere. Is what I think you're saying. I'm saying that if it's good in Florida, it's because they've had more experience at it and they've got a good oh, procedure come down. On, Joe. Well, you come on, it's Tom. Be, they, they can make it good anywhere else too. How that Rick that Rick Scott that Rick Scott who Trump is bragging about was such a good governor was a crook. <laughs> He, he was in charge of those hospitals down there in Florida, and he robbed the, the Medicare and the Medicaid for millions and millions of dollars. Well, why and wasn't he arrested? so highly of him, they elected him governor. Why wasn't he arrested if he committed a crime? Well, I don't know why he wasn't arrested. You tell me, but he did. He robbed, you know God darn well, that's a fact. He robbed millions, no, I and don't millions, know that. <laughs> millions of dollars from Medicare and Medicaid. I don't know any such thing, Tom. Well, you better look it up. Well, okay. Look it up. <laughs> look it up. But All let's right. face it. If, if bail-in balloting can be done safely, it should be done safely in every state the same way. Maybe Florida is a good template for how it should be done. But you can't just say, throw everything up in the air and expect it to land properly. And that's what we're doing here. And I really like the idea of mailing everybody a ballot, but you, <laughs> you do, do you do need a verification system that the right registered voter is but the one that's mailing it. They're ballot. mailing them to the dead and people who have been purged from the rolls well, or how's who the haven't dead voted. Well, fill it out? Well, somebody will fill it out for them. That's the problem. Well, we got to have some sort of a confirmation system. That's that's my point. I think that's the point Bobby was shooting at as well. All right, thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for calling in. Yeah, thanks, Tom. Take care. Okay. okay. <laughs> After he told me I was a joke, why well, I guess he ran out of steam. <laughs> All right. Upper right-hand corner, Joe. Says thousands of foreign workers who entered the U.S. on temporary work visas received $1,200 checks in error during the first round of stimulus payments, and many of them are spending the money in their home nations. One tax preparation firm told National Public Radio that it has clients from 129 countries who mistakenly receive stimulus checks, including Brazil, Canada, China, India, Nigeria.
Nigeria and South Korea. Government officials and tax experts say the mistake happened because many foreign workers, whether unintentionally or on purpose, file incorrect tax returns that make them appear to be U.S. residents. Some of them are now trying to amend their returns because they worry that having mistakenly received a stimulus check will jeopardize their visa status, green card application, or their ability to return to the U.S. How much stimulus money was mistakenly sent to foreign workers living overseas is difficult to quantify. But Sprint Tax, which does U.S. tax preparation for non-residents, did about 400 amended tax returns last year for people who mistakenly filed as U.S. residents, and so far this year it has done 5,000. Almost 5% of the total federal income tax returns it filed last year, according to the company. If just 5% of last year's more than 700,000 student and seasonal workers with F-1 and J-1 visas received a stimulus check in error, that would total $43 million. Scary. Hmm. And this is the same group we want to trust with mail-in balloting. You know, we can't get anything straight. We can't trust the government. Well, I mean, it's just so massive. That's the problem. The thing about elections in the past is they've been handled at the state and local level, which is a lot easier to control than the federal government. Eric, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling in. Good morning, gentlemen. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I just question for you, gentlemen. Where do you think Pennsylvania ranks as far as the 50 states as our number of COVID-19 cases per capita. I think it's fairly low. I think low, it's like yeah. 47th or 48th yeah, somewhere. Maybe not that low, but super low. Actually, we're 34th. 34th? Okay, so, well, um, not as I good as I thought. that's pretty good. And I'm looking, and I'm pulling this from a USA Today article from the 31st of uh, July, so it's fairly recent. Uh, to me, that, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I feel for anyone who's unemployed, especially unemployed because of the COVID-19. But to say that Governor Wolf hasn't done a pretty good job with helping curtail the COVID-19, and that was kind of the gist I'm getting from from Senator Gordner's uh, comments today, that, that the governor is actually causing Pennsylvania to go down, that's spiraling down, and he's doing a terrible job. I think he's doing a wonderful job. Uh, again, I feel for everyone who is unemployed. But again, as I said before on this show, I'm also very concerned about my family, including my elderly parents who live right here next to me in Port Trevor. Okay, so um, what's what's the quid pro quo here? If he's done a wonderful job, he's destroyed businesses, driven people out of work, you know, so how do you balance that? You know, is your health more important than having an income, or is your income more important than having, uh, you know, running the risk of having a slight cold or an infection of some sort? Granted, you could get seriously ill, but the majority, the overwhelming majority of cases are not that serious, and people do recover. So, I mean, how do you, how do you balance that? And I'm not saying the governor's done a terrible job, but I'm just saying I don't think he's got the balance right. Well, I, I think without him reacting so strongly out of the gate, we would be in much worse shape, such as uh, our neighbors. Pennsylvania has a lower per capita rate than any other state on the East Coast, except for, except for Maine, which is unusual since it's stuck all the way by itself. Um, and that, I think, speaks that the governor's doing a good job. And I'm just one trying to present the other side of it with statistics and facts. Uh, Senator talked about unemployment rate, which is too high, uh, granted. But also, we've got to recognize that this is a crisis we're dealing with. And as far as crisis management, I feel that Governor Wolf is doing a pretty good job. And the statistics seem to bear that out. 
Well, if you, uh, if one of the statistics I, I bring up, um, who has more people right now, uh, New York or Florida? You mean living in the state? I think oh, Florida. Florida, Florida yeah, does Florida. now, right? Florida does. I, I, that surprised me that they had surpassed New York. I thought New York was, was number whatever. But, yeah, Florida has more people. Than well, and you're talking about the governor and what are the governor's actions and what has the result been. We have a low number of COVID-19 cases, and there's no argument about that. And we're going to go into the school year with a relatively low number of cases. So that should really help keep things tamped down for those rare occasions where maybe the coronavirus pops up in the school. But the, the issue that the governor has done that's not ideal is at what cost. He carved out one section of the local economy and, and said, okay, small bars and restaurants have to, privately owned restaurants have to reduce their seating to the point that the, for many of them they have to close altogether and for some When he called know, them dives. Well, dive bars, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> probably, probably wishes he hadn't used that particular phrase, but in any event so to carve out one industry while all other industries are fine around here to say okay, well it's the restaurant industry, so to carve out one business and to put the owner's restrictions on them and then to not listen to, negotiate, speak to, coordinate, call, or at least uh, hear the state legislature at all. I mean, you know, you're talking to the majority whip who says he hasn't been able to talk to the governor. Uh, uh, that's wrong. I mean, we could have coordinated. You know, that you should have. we should have done in Pennsylvania what the federal government did, and that's to set up a task force where you have leadership from the House and the Senate and doctors and other people helping the State Department of Health uh, make decisions. So, yes, the uh, there's no doubt the mitigation factors worked and and we've tamped down we've you know annihilated the curve i mean there was just this little bump that where it's starting to increase but at at what cost did we do it the right way did you know at what cost no, you're making my point the balance he doesn't have the balance right so i think one thing we have to look at is and again i, I feel for the bar owners the restaurant owners those are the two areas where the government has some control Right, no argument there, yes. Because of the Department of Health Inspections and, of course, of the L's, uh, Liquor Control Board. But I would argue so those that... Those two the, areas where the governor has some control. But I would argue... Hold on. Uh, let me tell you one quick second. I'll let you finish here. I would argue that the, the government does have control on all businesses because they all pay sales taxes and they all need a tax license to operate. So therefore, it does have control over other businesses. Yes, the LCB makes it easy on restaurants, but restaurants that don't serve any alcohol are also included in this. So, oops, go ahead. Hold, hold on, Eric. There we go. Sorry. Go ahead. Okay. What I was saying was um, a good friend of mine is a high official with Wise Markets, and I was, uh, you know, we were discussing the whole situation, and I said, why doesn't Wise Markets uh, enforce the, the, the mask ruling? And he, what he told me was there's no teeth in it. I mean, what are they going to do? I, he said for them to enforce it, they'd have to call the local police department to come in and have the person removed. So... Again, the governor has more control over uh, licensing because of uh, because of restaurants having to have some sort of sanitary license and, and are being inspected from time to time, and also, of course, bars and um, liquor stores and that type of thing. It's interesting. Uh, well, we got to move on. Well, wait, before we go, room. there's there's yeah, one one of our texters on. commented on what you're saying, and uh-huh. you may want to respond. It says, what wonderful job. We are right up there with the top five states for deaths due to COVID. Look to Florida. They have the same number of deaths as us, but about four times the cases. 
All right, we got to go. As we know, is and, and thank you. That's a very good point because Pennsylvania is an more elderly area. We know the elderly die more frequently, hence it's more dire than that, that we have. <laughs> okay. They so die forth. more frequently. Well, they only die once. More dire. There's just more of them. <laughs> dire. No, All right. di- dire situation. Okay. Know. All right, we got to go. But You're not talking about active dyers. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank, thank you, Eric. You so much. And uh, Pennsylvanians don't die more frequently. They only die one time. All right, quickie break. Hold on, callers. We'll be right back. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way? The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Hi, everybody. Steve Jones, Andrew Marshan, and Phil Steele today, 3 to 5 News Radio 1070 WKOK. And that's live from the South Carolina Valley Country Club, the Steve Jones Show. We broadcast live from the Country Club. Matt Catrillo and Steve Jones will be over there uh, for their true, uh, Truman Party Golf Tournament to benefit the Greater Susquehanna Valley YMCA. So we hope we have a great day over there today. And one of our emailers says, your argument about corona is fair until you have to look at South Dakota. They did nothing, nothing. And I think being unemployed is really, really bad. All right, Cindy, you're on the mark. Thanks for waiting. Go right ahead. First, I would like to remind everyone that when they first talked about the um, COVID crisis on television, the prediction was two million, two million Americans would die if we did nothing. And we, we haven't even approached, you know, a, a small amount of that. I mean, we're not even over 200,000. I think that's remarkable when the threat was 2 million people are going to die. Is it unfortunate that people have died? Certainly. But certainly this has, no one can say that this has been the catastrophe that was originally predicted. And I believe largely because of the things that the federal government did. And, uh, you know, to the, no one, you know, I was an ER nurse for many years, and I'll never forget my first disaster drill when the head of the department said to me afterwards, when I was aghast at how it went, well, it's a disaster. They never go well. By definition, it's not going to go well. You're just going to do your best. And I think that we Americans have done our best. Look how low it is in our region. You know, that's to our credit, I think. But I want to say this. If I went to the Mac machine... And it gave me $500 when I asked for $50. What would happen? Well, the bank, if they caught it, would come after you. Exactly. They would make me give the money back, wouldn't they? Right. Otherwise, it's considered theft. It's considered theft. If I found someone's check on the street and it was signed and I took it to the bank and cashed it, right, what is that called? Theft. Theft. (laughs) Theft. It's theft. And that these people have received government money. If I, if my elderly family member died and I continued to take their Social Security money, which has happened many times over in this country to the tune of millions of dollars, 
what would that be considered? Okay, hey, let's let it go, or is it theft? It's theft. And these people who received this money when they did not deserve it should be required to give it back without any question. And in the absence of that, they should not be allowed to remain in this country, nor should they be given admission back into this country for any reason. Of course, the question that begs the question, who will find the find them out? I mean, the federal government sent it to them in the first place. How interested do you think the federal government's going to be in proving that they made a mistake? Well, they obviously already know, Joe. They, they gave the data. They know the countries they came from. They know uh, it's clear that they already know that people like After the fact. Like they don't know. After the fact. They, they cashed the check. After the fact, Cindy. I'm talking about... I understand that, Joe. <laughs> so if they don't get... They should be informed to give the money back. In the absence of that, their names should be flagged, and they'll not be admitted to this country again until they do. Period. All right. That'd be a good Period. job for the because government. it's as much a theft as if I took the Mac machine money or stole a dead person's Social Security info, you know, money. It's the very same thing, and they should be held accountable for it. Right. Frankly, I wouldn't let them back in. Period. I feel like I'm offering a a uh, compromise and in simply insisting that they have to return every penny before they can come back in this country. And will these same people receive ballots to vote in our presidential election? <laughs> no. Undoubtedly, Joe. <laughs> right. I mean, <laughs> the irony is, that I, I hear the concern about mail-in ballots because it comes to the House. We have to take another right? caller, okay. and the person, someone, fills it out. The same someone who has access to endless documents with handwriting on it. The same kinds of someone who stole their grandmother's Social Security money for years. That the fact that, that this is vulnerable is without a doubt a concern. All right. Thank, thank you so thanks, much. Yep, I appreciate the call. Chris, thank you so much for waiting all that time. You're on the mark. It wasn't very long. Good. You do uh, realize when you're making, play that clip of Joe, what you, uh, Biden's, you, what you were doing. Don't you? Uh, we honed. I honed in on just the shortest section that where he stumbled a little bit. Yes, and you were making fun of somebody who stutters. <laughs> oh heavens! Well, I told you we were on thin ice when you talk about any sort of speech or cognitive dilemma that anybody has. So yeah, but he, he's he's well known to be a stutterer that worked very hard in childhood to overcome it. Good for him. And okay, most of his life he has, but the way he stopped at those words—they were the first letter of words, and they were common stuttering sounds. Gotcha. And All he right. has to concentrate very hard sometimes. To overcome that. Good for him. Good for you. Thanks for pointing that out. Slow and mumbly, which you guys make fun of and use to say that he's not mentally capable. But we do it for both candidates. That is what you are doing. (laughs) We do it for both candidates. Why? And you think it's funny. I Why think, do you think it's funny? <laughs> what I think is funny is that we we talk about cognitive abilities, and we find it's very easy for us to find examples where the candidates are equal. That's the only thing we're pointing out is that yeah, no one has superiority but, here. But what 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 uh, you're making fun of Trump's ignorance, which is a sort of different level. <laughs> so, in other words, Trump's ignorant, and Joe. Well, we can excuse that because he stuttered when he was a kid. And if you want to find out how much Trump has declined, go back and listen to an interview from him when he was 25 or 30. He uses long words. He uses many different words. He talks 
rapidly. He actually makes some sense in when he says things. Compare a 20 uh, uh, interview from when he's in his 20s or 30s to what he sounds like now. And how would Joe be back in the, when he was 25 or 30? You said he stuttered when he was know. a kid. Would he be I worse? He'd probably be, be better also. Okay, well, that's fair. But I'm I just... not sure because he was well known as a, uh, as a gaffer in some ways before then. There's a difference between misspeaking and stuttering. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. He often misspeaks. He says things like 130 million Americans died in gun violence. That has nothing to do with his stuttering. It does have perhaps something to do with his cognitive yes, ability. You were making fun of his stuttering at this point in the show. I, I, I didn't make fun of his stuttering. I didn't think it was stuttering. If he was actually stuttering, I'm, I'm familiar with what stuttering sounds like. That didn't sound like stuttering to me. It sounded like faltering. Yes, and when a person has to concentrate very hard on not stuttering, it sounds like faltering. You'll do some research, Joe. Surely, Chris, that's not your only topic today. You have another minute left. Well, just the the COVID situation, uh, yeah, I think Pennsylvania's done a pretty good job, largely credited to the governor. Now, the restaurant thing, the restaurants are actually, um, and bars are the things that do seem to spread. Small areas, confined spaces, lack of mass singing or loud talking going on, that is what spreads it. And 50%, 25%, you know, you have to make an arbitrary thing, but, you know, uh, uh, capacity is people elbow to elbow, and the structure is holding up, right? Okay. Hello? Yep. Uh, we're, no, we're, we're listening, listening to you. Okay. And, and so, yeah, well, you have to make an arbitrary thing, and to, to get people at least a couple, a few feet apart, you probably have to get down to the 25%. But you don't. Because you also have staff. Here, here's my, here's my problem with that, Chris, is that every restaurant has different, different physical characteristics. Yes, and you can't make a law for each individual restaurant. Yes, you can. You can spell out something that says, you know, you, you, you said, well, let me finish, let me, fin- let me, fin- let me finish for thing. once, let me finish. You could say to each restaurant, you submit to me a plan as to the maximum number of people you can seat and still be safe. We'll review the plan. If we approve it, you may open at that level. That's what I'm talking about. And that's making a law for each individual restaurant. No, it's saying... But take? each individual restaurant has different characteristics. Like and you claimed it wasn't. Each restaurant has different okay. physical characteristics. That's the point, Chris. We have to go, man. <laughs> okay, well, keep believing that, that, that Trump's the mastermind and a really good president as he destroys the law basis for law in the United States. Oh, brother. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I the rule of law. The rule of law has suffered. Bye. Thank Bye. you so much, Chris. All right. Appreciate that. Uh, we'll have a brief moment of open phones to try to catch up on emails and texts when we return. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle's worth. 
The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC way. The SMC way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Welcome back to the KOK Live Telephone Talk Show on the mark. We've got a moment or two left. We want you to visit sunburymotors.com. That's the first thing you do. You will see their entire Ford, Lincoln, Kia, and Hyundai properties all laid out. Every vehicle is there with a half a dozen pictures, and some of them even more, to let you know exactly what that vehicle looks like inside and out. All the specifications there. You can do comparisons. But in case it happens and you don't see the vehicle that you're looking for, then you can build a Hyundai, Kia, Lincoln, or Ford to your precise specifications right online. Hit the send button, then they'll do some business with you online. And you're conducting the whole process of purchasing a new car online. It's a rare opportunity that you can do these days at the Sunbury Motor Company. It's an opportunity for you to make sure that you uh, enjoy social distancing to the quintessential manner. They also have pre-owned inventory. Again, any vehicle that's on the lot is outlined online so you can see it and check it out. Select the perfect vehicle and purchase it online right from your home. All of your vehicle happiness starts at sunburymotors.com. It won't so work, please, you know. Which is which is using what? a four-syllable word to impress me after you failed the cognitive uh, test I gave you earlier. What did I do now? Quintessential. I oh, was very I impressed. Well, it won't it's work. Down. I, mean. I don't know what it means, but it's here. <laughs> so thank you. Yes, we appreciate that. Okay. One Larry G, our our friend from Texas, says, "Good morning, fellas. We had a runoff election in our county in May due to COVID-19. Several of the residents in our community voted by mail." Last week, five weeks later, some of those voters received a letter from the voter registrar advising them their votes had been thrown out because the person auditing their ballots thought the signatures were not the same. They had to call the registrars to verify there was not voter fraud. How often will the same thing happen during a nationwide vote? Stay safe and well, Larry G. in Texas. Larry G. makes an excellent point. Well, it's funny. We use the mail system for a wide range of topics, somehow safely and securely, so can we not use it? Why don't we do electronics? You know, why do we have to have a mail-in ballot? You know, why skip the snail mail? Let's do it electronically. Well, kids are going to be educated remotely. Why not uh, allow the same thing to set up there? Let people log in. You can buy a car online, but you can't (laughs) pick your legislator online. All right. Well, we'll see you tomorrow. Open phones Thursdays here already, believe it or don't, tomorrow. So Joe will be back. Time flies when you're having fun. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You are listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. As you heard, the Sunbury Motor Company is our sponsor. We'll be back tomorrow. This is WKOK Sunbury.